theory or practice, it's a constant battle when you're teaching. I'm Dr. Joy Patterson, the Director of Educator Preparation at Governor State University and the College of Education. And I'm Dr. Amy Viaquia, Governor State University Assistant Professor of English Teacher Education. In teaching and learning theory versus practice, Dr. Joy and I will duke it out over whether theory or practice wins the match. Yeah, I can't wait. So whether you're a teacher, an education leader, or looking to learn more about the field, you can hear from industry experts on education topics. We invite you to be the judge as we box it out. Stick around to find out who wins this week's match. Hello, Dr. Joy. Good morning, Dr. Amy. How are you? I am doing well, and I see you smiling this morning. Yeah. yeah. But I have to say that not everyone is smiling at this point in the school year. We have a, we're a few weeks in, and as the school year started, there is still a a real tension in the air around mental health. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I read an article just a handful of weeks ago that was titled youth mental health is in crisis. Are schools doing enough? Now talk about that headline. It really caught my attention. And in some schools, they are doing check-ins on the laptop screen. You know, it's great. How, how are you feeling? And so they can click on an emoji to match their state of mind Right. Are they happy, sad, worried, angry? And I'm wondering, as a former middle school teacher, what do I do with that information once I gather it? What next? Yeah, I wonder if we're doing enough. You know, we've implemented SEL, social emotional learning standards and activities. And so we've done that. But I also see teachers teach it as a separate course and not necessarily integrate it. So I wonder what more can teachers do? What more can school counselors do with children to help prepare students and help prepare teachers? So I'm wondering, you know, teachers do enough already, right? So this is not how do you put more on teachers, right? It is how do teachers integrate this? How do they pay attention to some of those flags, those red flags that we see and be able to respond to them quickly and get students the help that they need immediately? And so we are going to talk to someone who can kind of help us see that collaboration piece so that teachers know, well, who are the resources in their schools mm-hmm. and in their districts that can help? And we've talked about school counseling and psychology before, but with this tension in the air, this anxiety, I don't know that we can talk about it enough. So let me introduce Dr. Ahmet John, who is an assistant professor in the Division of Psychology and Counseling at Governor State University wonderful colleague of ours. 
Dr. Jean received his PhD in counselor education and supervision from Ohio University and his master's degrees in school counseling and clinical mental health counseling, the same institution. He also earned his bachelor's degree in psychology counseling and guidance from Kukurova University in Turkey. Dr. Sean has worked as a school, college, mental health counselor, and clinical supervisor in a variety of settings, uh, primary, middle, high school, college, higher education, and his major research and scholarship areas of interest include counselor education and supervision, school counseling, cross-cultural counseling, international college students, and psychological well-being. And I am so happy to welcome you to our podcast, Dr. Sean. Good morning, Dr. Amy, Dr. Joy. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Good morning, Dr. Ahmed. You know, this is medicine to me. Every time I see you, I smile. Your face lights up, just your disposition and the wonderful words that come out of your mouth is medicine for me. It's counseling for me. You are one of my favorite people, and we're so happy to have you here today. I want our audience to get to know you better. So tell us about how you came to become a counselor. What was your journey? What was your path? Where did you come from? You know, what's your, you know, talk about your role at GSU and some of your research interests. So a very big question. We want to get to know you first. Thank you so much. Likewise, it is a mutual feeling when I see you both, both at GSU on the uh, virtual platform. I always also, you guys make me smile. And thank you so much for being yourself. And thank you so much for being wonderful, supportive colleagues during the past three years. I'm Dr. Ahmed Chan. This is actually my fourth year at Governor State University. Previously, I worked in another counselor education programs in South Dakota for three years before I joined our Governor State University counseling program in 2019 fall semester, just right before COVID hit the world. Um, I'm, I'm also, I'm working and I'm here as a licensed professional counselor in Illinois. Um, here at Governor State University, in our counseling program, we offer three different MA programs, clinical mental health counseling, marriage couple family, and school counseling. And actually, I'm honored and proud to share this. Uh, we are right now offering the brand new PhD program in counselor education supervision program at Governor State uh, too. All of our programs are also nationally um, accredited. Here, as you as you hear, my accent is not coming from Chicago area, Chicago land area. I was born in Istanbul, Turkey. I moved to United States 2010 to complete my English language program. Then I moved to Ohio to complete both my masters in school counseling and clinical mental health dual degree. Then I decided to pursue my PhD in counselor education program at Ohio University as well. My primary research uh, focuses the cross-cultural school age population in school counseling, more specifically 
my research includes the adjustment problems of international students in the United States and the psychological well-being and international counseling students training in counselor programs and school counseling. I'm an active, I'm an active member in several professional organizations, including American Counseling Association, American School Counseling Association, and Cal Sigma IOTA. Yeah. So we know that right now teachers and students are extremely stressed. You know, teaching is, is hard work. It is a labor of love, but it is hard work. It seems to be even harder now that we've gone through this pandemic because we have such a huge teacher shortage and there's a lot of residuals effects of this pandemic. So teachers are now leaving because, for so many different reasons. And we have a lot of teachers retiring, right? So our baby boomers are retiring. And Amy was talking about earlier this article that we read. And in this article, there are some schools that are doing creative things to kind of check in with students, to check in for their mental health, right? And they're taking the temperature, the SEL temperature of these students as an intervention. Some of them have avatars where they can put up an avatar about how they're feeling at that moment, something that we would use back in the day of happy faces, you know, <laughs> and sad faces. They're a lot more creative now. Some have emotional break corners and all of that. Talk about what you think about what students are experiencing as a result of the pandemic. You know, post pandemic, what are teachers and students experiencing? Of course, in the unprecedented times, you know, both and, and students and teachers in the school system, you know, are demonstrating the high level stress, anxiety, depression. Some of them um, are reported to demonstrate the suicidal ideation and plan or attempt, you know, in school counseling services. It is important, I think, for us to create the the social and emotional learning, you know, environment as an integral part of education and human development. SEL, as um, you mentioned, um, Dr. Joy, is also processed through the which all young people and kids acquire and apply the knowledge, skills, and attitudes to develop healthy identities or manage their emotions, especially in the time of the COVID-19 or pandemic, you know, in unprecedented times and to achieve also their personal mental health, emotional goals. It is important uh, for us to also inform and teach our you know, young kids to show empathy for others in these difficult times. Establish and maintain also supportive relationships between friend, friends, peers, as well as between the students and teachers, and their administrative as well in the school system. And also, I believe the SEL advance the educational equity and excellence through the school-family community partnership in the difficult times and in the pandemic, establish especially learning the new learning environments and experience that our students and their family are faced just recently. We're talking a lot about social-emotional learning and you've mentioned a couple of things that need that students need to experience. They need to experience a safe environment and have uh, good relationships in the classroom. 
Can you talk a little bit about the teacher's responsibilities for implementing social emotional learning, maybe some best practices and strategies? And then I want to bridge into the role of the school counselor in, in helping in those uh, areas. Thank you, Dr. Amy. That's the great question. In order, in order us to help kids to identify their emotions, right? Which also brings the first self-awareness. So SEL, social emotional learning support, also uh, brings vision of all children as self-aware, caring, responsible, engaged, and lifelong learners uh, who work together to achieve their goals in the school system. Kids actually who are able to identify and understand, express and manage a wide range of feelings or emotions experience long-term benefits for their mental health and well-being. There are um, different strategies for teachers, school counselors, school psychologists, social workers can help them to identify their um, emotions. For example, uh, maybe we might um, give attention to tune tune into their cues uh, because sometimes for especially the younger kids uh, feelings can be hard to identify you know we do encourage them to tune into their feelings by looking at their body language the nonverbal messages listening to what they are saying and observing their behavior i think which is important also maybe figuring out how they feel and what they mean they can help them to identify express and manage um, their feeling also we are aware that be- behavior behind every behavior is a feeling uh, we do um, try to understand the meaning and feeling behind your behind our children's behavior especially in the time of the covid-19 every children is different and unique they show their emotions they show their stress depression anxiety high level stress in a different way and i think it is important for us to also let them um, to name the feeling and help our children name their feeling by giving maybe them a, a, the, them a label. Um, naming feelings is the first step, I think, in helping for us to, you know, uh, for us to helping kids to learn, identify them, which is also crucial and important. I think it will be also beneficial for us to let them to identify feeling in others. You know, provide lots of opportunities to identify feeling others. You, we might ask them to reflect on what someone else may be feeling. Maybe like cartoons or pictures mm-hmm. or books are a great way to discuss of their emotions. Um, there are other techniques like I use in my school counseling work. I did utilize the, the healing, healing emotions. Um, for them to identify their emotions or different emotions, maybe using right now technology, utilizing technology to identify their, you know, with the different emojis or it is, there is like feeling charts, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, teachers or uh, counselors can utilize or feeling posture, you know, especially it might be more beneficial or useful for the teenage, you know, the little older kids, you know, and emotion thermometers you know okay i feel the madness or stress but how much so the emotional thermometers can be helpful for them to identify the level of stress or anxiety or depression also again as my as that being said 
uh, every kid is different, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to show their emotions in a different way. I think uh, school counselors or teachers uh, should be able to identify or find their language. Their language sometimes can be also play or art. So we can provide them play or art related activity to identify their emotions. And again, the in, 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 in depends the age and development stage, whatever, whenever we provide interventions, uh, there are two most important things for us to consider working with uh, kids, I think are age appropriate and development stage appropriate. You know what? That three minutes, that was the whole show. That's all we need. <laughs> Show's over. <laughs> because that three minutes was a wealth of information about strategies that teachers and school counselors can use. You know, one of the things that I used to use with older kids was colors. And we used to use colors. And I would have a color palette and tell me, what color do you feel like today? You know, and for me, color is a feeling, right? We gravitate towards different colors because of how we may be feeling that day. And if you choose blue, what does that mean? And have the student talk about why did you choose blue? And for little kids, I used to use the movie Lion King to identify certain words so that they can express things. Lion King movie is great. You see kindness, you can see fear, you can see what it means to be loyal, all these words, because a lot of times students, young students will only use one or two words to try to describe how they feel about something, which really doesn't give the adults enough information to gauge how they're feeling. And so I do like that we're advancing to some of the things that you talked about, because students feel differently. They learn differently of having a variety of strategies that teachers can use to take the temperature of their students' emotional health. So let's just have some real talk for a moment. Let's talk about some statistics and some things that are going on. There's more articles that have been published that we are still struggling post-pandemic. We're struggling with teacher shortage, right? But we're still struggling with attendance. So the last past year, attendance has been abysmal. There's no such thing as perfect attendance anymore. Behavior, you know, or negative behavior is on the rise. We know the test scores are significantly lower. So, and there's a lot of things to catch up. The state, many of the states, they have federal money. So we have a lot of federal dollars. Governor State has been fortunate enough to receive funding also to support tutoring as a result of learning loss from the pandemic. We have a huge tutoring program. As a matter of fact, the tutors get paid like $50 an hour to work with elementary kids to try to get them back up to their academic potential and their speed. So we're investing all of these funds and these resources into academic gain, right? What are we doing in terms of mental health, because those statistics are just as dismal, right? When it comes to kids and it comes to teachers, what are we doing? What resources are we putting into? What funding are we putting into trying to adjust for the mental health decline and, you know, of kids and student teachers that are struggling? 
how do we how do we better support them? What kind of resources can we grab? Has the federal government provided additional resources for counselors? Now, definitely. First, first, I want to share our roles as a school counselor. How can we support our students, you know, in the educational you know, system? So school counselors understand that every student is different and has their own unique needs and to support them in their academic, personal, social and career needs in the school system. Definitely in the time of the COVID-19 past the two years, our roles also have changed. Uh, in the, during the uh, unprecedented times with the pandemic. The, here at Governor State University, we are able to offer a training for our school counseling, as well as clinical mental health, marriage couple family, both practical and intern students to know what they need to know about telehealth counseling service, maybe which was not available for anyone to use before the pandemic, 19, yeah, you know, COVID-19. So here at GSU, we allow, uh, we provide them um, um, resources uh, to learn um, and um, the knowledge and skill base um, to get the uh, the uh, uh, training training um, regarding the telehealth because telehealth is has so many different differences than the in-person you know, counseling, which uh, brings us the some of the great, great challenges and obstacles in ethical and legal considerations in school counseling services, uh, generally in counseling field. School, and it, it, is, it has been very important for us to also work collaboratively with all stakeholders in the school system, such as school psychologists, social workers, and school administrative, in order us to implement our school counseling program in the time of the COVID-19, which impact again the nature of the school counselor's role and responsibilities. Just because I do see and I do understand, you know, every school district, every school district state, we tend to prioritizing the most critical academic career and social emotional lessons while continuing to teach the school counseling curriculum as much as possible, you know, through the school or district, you know, the virtual platforms or online platform. Every school has a different, you know, online platforms or procedures or, you know, rules. But also school counselors are using the uh, online platforms or communications methods following the communication plan to provide distance counseling to not just students who are our students who are our primary client but also we work with parents too as they are identified our secondary client so the school counselors um, tend to or try uh, to recognize and miti- mitigate mitigate the limitation of school counselors' confidentiality in a virtual setting um, during this time as well. I'm glad you brought up this telehealth. I mean, that is something I don't remember hearing the words telehealth before the pandemic, and it has become it's on the rise. I don't think it's going away. There's so much value in being able to meet students and parents where they are. And sometimes where they are isn't an academic term or a mental term. It's a physical term, like where they are in their home. But there has to be elements missing from a virtual meeting 
what might be some of those important elements that you just can't tap into use you know that are missing whenever you are assessing a child in that virtual platform definitely definitely dr Amy. there's a great things for us to also consider while we are training uh, our school counseling interns practicum students in the program here at gsu so we did discuss about that and some of the you know um, questions arise you know while working with kids not in person through you know telehealth distance counseling online counseling there are I believe there are, like, according to literature re- review, there are like more than 65 different descriptions of telehealth, you know, with the online counseling or telehealth counseling, distance, distance counseling, e-therapy, e-counseling, the, each um, um, literature cites it in different terminology. But it is important for us to providing, of course, school counseling services in the time of COVID-19 to support our students or enhance our students' academic, personal, social, and emotional needs. But also the virtual setting, virtual settings present some challenge and limitations. Here are, here are some examples I can share to consider. So I ask my students to consider how you work with administrators to develop a plan for how students and families can reach the school counselor through phone, email, or online platforms. Or do school counselors tend to use their personal phones or email accounts in the time of COVID-19, which might bring, you know, again, the ethical, you know, considerations or issues. If a communications method or online platform is not readily available, maybe in the school district, then maybe I do encourage them to just work with their school administrative or principals to find a solution in this, you know, the new normal let me say new Uh normal yeah also every school is different every school district is different are you following your school and district policy for online services act and activities if there is one or accessing student information from your home rather than in your school which also makes a difference. Do you have a procedures for students to follow in both emergency and non-emergency situations when the school counselor is not available during, you know, this, the, the, the online platform? Uh, what steps do we take to mitigate actually the confidentiality limits when we may face, you know, providing virtual distance or online counseling with our students? How to be el- eliminate, you know, the unintended viewers while we are, you know, talking to our students at their home, just because of the confidential information. Or how do we how do we educate students on ways to participate in the relationship through through virtual or online, you know, distance school counseling or develop methods to minim- minimize or prevent again the potential misunderstandings might occur due to lack of maybe uh, visual or verbal cues and because when i provide counseling my students in office so i am there and to see their nonverbal messages to interpret what's going on with that but i am totally uh, clueless when i provide you know the virtual counseling might be another challenge and the last thing i want to mention that 
I think it's important for us to be informed school counselor to provide as much information on the school counseling website as possible. I think uh, we should be prepared to update our the website, school website and school counseling website frequently. Oh, yeah, and that's interesting what you were talking about. When you're in the office, all of your senses are engaged. Mm-hmm. You can pick up on verbal cues and auditory cues if somebody's shifting a little bit or or tapping their foot, and you can't see that perhaps on a virtual in a virtual setting or if they haven't showered or bathed or for a few days. Those are some clues cues that just right but on the flip flip side of that it makes it a lot more accessible so you have your pros and cons because how many virtual doctor's appointments have you had in the past couple of years I've had several so they've made it a lot more accessible especially when we're looking at p12 students whose parents may not have transportation so it's definitely made it more accessible we are talking to Dr. Ahmed John, last name spelled C-A-N, and we're talking about mental health post-pandemic for P-12 students and also support for teachers, how teachers best support P-12 students' mental health. So I, I have a question, Amy, this is for you, Amy, and Dr. Ahmed. So we never want to put more on teachers, right? It's already a challenging job. Teachers work extraordinarily hard. And Amy, Dr. Amy, put your teacher hat on that. How does this look when teachers are implementing these SEL strategies? Some of these wonderful strategies that Dr. Ahmed mentioned. So that it's not just Here's our period for SEL. I mean, I don't really know what that does when you just have a period for SEL. Let's talk. It's really something that should be integrated. How does it look when the teacher is integrating this? You're teaching English. You're not teaching SEL. You're teaching English. You want students to learn this piece of literature or this piece of poetry. Like Dr. John said, there are, you can read books, you can read stories, and if the teacher is incorporating a lot of close reading strategies and perspective taking when reading those stories and say, well, what is that character experiencing and why? How would this affect this other character? That can be helpful. Forming relationships and community in your classroom is really important. I referenced early in this conversation the article where the students are checking in at the beginning and saying, I feel sad, or I feel happy, or I feel hungry, or I I can deal with hungry. I can find a way to deal with someone who is hungry. And I kind of know Mm -hmm. what I did in where I taught who to direct a student to if there was uh, hygiene issues. If there were issues such as, you know, needing clothes or a jacket in the winter. But if a student says sad or frustrated or anxious, that's where I I struggle. Like, what do I do with that information? Teachers need to know where they can get resources from 
I second Dr. Joy and Amy, what you share in terms of how to support students in order as they enhance their, you know, academic, emotional, mental health um, development in the school system. Also, we school counselors encourage all students and families to use, utilize resources to enhance the academic career and personal social development. As mentioned, every student is different. They have their own unique needs in the school system. Um, from school counseling point, we are there to listen, help, and provide guidance through especially the through some of the most challenging you know aspect of growing up, especially in the unprecedented times with the COVID-19. We also we, we do recognize of collaboration, Dr. Amy, to be working with teachers. There is a team, there is a teamwork, there needs to be team for us to promote our students' mental health, um, psychological, emotional, social, personal needs, as well as, yes, academic, academic in addition to academic or educational needs. This has been wonderful today. And... I just want to say thank you, thank you for being with us. One last thing, as we wrap up today, could you tell us a little bit about your work with the local school districts and uh, some information that you're sharing about the school counseling model? Thank you. Well, we are school counselors who are trained in the master's program at minimum. And the whole the PEL, Professional Educator Licensure, is issued by Illinois State Board of Education to be working as a school counselor in the school district. School counselors designed to deliver school counseling uh, programs that improve student outcomes. The ASCA uh, the short name, American School Counseling Association National Model uh, Framework outlines uh, the components of the school counseling program that is integral of the school's academic mission and is created to have significant positive impact on student achievement, attendance and discipline, and as well as their mental health needs. Some of the examples of what school counselors guides in the development of school counseling program are based on, we work uh, based on the data-informed decision-making. Um, it is, they are delivered to all students um, systemically, I think, which is important for us to recognize not just the particular and all students. This is what makes a difference, our title as a school counselor, no guidance counselor. And also the state of Illinois recently has been passed the bill to name of our the title as a professional school counselor in the state of Illinois, no longer guidance counselor. I think which is crucial and important for us to be, you know, have our, our professional identity with the, you know, appropriate title. Also school counselors help students to their need for post-secondary education readiness and success. You know, in the past two years, Everything has changed in our lives. Also, like we traditionally took students to go to trip, the college trip, you know, um, and to make a visit. And then um, and they make choice, you know, based on their observation as well. But the all, almost all trips, 
occurred in the past two years uh, virtually. You know, they didn't have a chance. The school counselors are able to help them. And also school counselors play uh, the uh, vital roles uh, to close achievement and opportunity gaps in academic, again, personal, social, and career needs of our students. It has been a wonderful conversation. And I know that with you at GSU and you promoting the programs, it's you are a valuable resource that we have. And I hope people can look into any of the programs that we have at GSU for school counseling. You said also we have the marriage counseling and we have PhD. And we have our new PhD. Yes. New PhD program. And there's just so much more that we could explore. And I'm hoping we can in future conversations. Definitely. If anyone has a questions, actually, our brand new program coordinator is Dr. Ken Provo. But also, I'm I'm very much happy to help or, or provide support. Any questions our uh, internal and external community might have about our program or university, I would be more than happy to help. Thank, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. It is my pleasure, too. Thank you for listening to Teaching and Learning Theory versus Practice with Dr. Amy Viaclia and Dr. Joy Patterson. We hope that you have been inspired by this conversation and will join us again as we talk about trends in education and perspectives on teaching. We welcome your comments and feedback. What conversations are you interested in hearing? We'll leave it up to you. Our listeners, did theory or practice win the match? I think it was theory probably this time. Uh, practice. Until next time, we're Dr. Amy and Dr. Joy.